In the immortal words of Prince, Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. I want to start this podcast episode as I normally do with a quote that I hope will kind of set the stage for what we're going to talk about. This particular quote comes from Rollo May, who says, Depression is the inability to construct a future. I'll read that again. Depression is the inability to construct a future. And I found this to be the case, that I've considered myself to be a futurist for my entire life, meaning that I'm always looking forward to what's next, to seeing what's around the corner, the next technology, the next advancement in medicine, the next advancement in science, the next advancement in discovery, and that there have been a couple of times in my life when I couldn't see the future, when I couldn't see what was coming next, and I didn't know where this was all leading. And I have to say, it made me very depressed and sad, really. And so I understand. I get it. And I've lived with depression for a long time, and I want to talk about it with you in hopes that maybe you can relate and that maybe this will let you know that no matter how alone you feel, you are never, ever alone. Not really. So stick around. I want to say before I begin this conversation that I am going to talk about some things that are very personal and very sensitive. And it may be troubling or triggering for some listeners. So if you are somebody who is in an active state of depression or uh, needing medical attention... Uh, that I suggest that maybe you not listen to this podcast until you're in a better space, or maybe not listen at all. If you do need some kind of immediate help, I suggest that you call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 800-273-8255. If you are have a smartphone or a cell phone, you can text at 741-741. And if you know somebody that is actively depressed or going through a major depression, I would have to urge you to please take that seriously, that that is not something that it can be taken lightly, and that um, you do want to act on the best interest of that person. If that person is you or someone you care about, please take this issue seriously. It is very serious. I also want to say that I'm not a doctor or a psychologist or a counselor. I'm not somebody who treats people for depression. I'm just somebody who has personal experience with this and I wanted to share my experience with you. So again, if you are having symptoms of depression or if you've been depressed for longer than a normal state, uh, I would suggest that you call and get medical attention and take action to uh, make this better. It can get better. It really can. And if you are feeling in a place that is not all that great, then just remember that this too shall pass and that I've had dark times too and I've fought through them, and I'm still here. And so I know I can do it, and I know you can do it. So stay here and be here. Thanks for listening. I don't have a real early memory of being depressed or going through a depressive state. I remember sadness. I remember being sad quite a bit and frightened quite a bit and anxious all the time. Maybe those were like pre-depressive conditions I was going through. Maybe it was related, maybe it wasn't, I don't know. But I do know that I remember when I was becoming an adolescent and going through junior high and and about that time in my life, I remember actively thinking 
that not existing seemed like an option for me, that that was always something that I could always just not be here, just not be alive, was always like, well, I could always just not be here, like that's an act of choice. And I didn't know at that time how unusual that was, and not saying it was bad, but it was really unusual. It was very unusual for somebody at my age to be thinking that necessarily, and certainly at the frequency and the intensity that I was thinking about it. These were not just passing thoughts. This is something that was on my mind a lot, a lot of the time. And probably, you know, quite honestly, I probably should have been seeing a counselor at that time or, or, or manifesting something that would have said, hey, you know, somebody should probably be checking this out. This sounds serious. Now, the fact is that you would have never known that I was depressed. I didn't show any outward signs. I didn't wear all black. I wasn't crying all the time. I wasn't morose. I was a very happy, upbeat individual. I was active. I was communicative for the most part. I had friends. I had family support. So by all outside appearances, you'd have never known that on my insides, uh, I was living a very different kind of reality. Now, a lot of that had to do with me, again, as I've said in previous podcasts, wanting to be accepted and liked and being a people pleaser. And so probably being a people pleaser actually fed into my depression because I would try to do things to make other people happy and it would work and that they were happy, but I wasn't necessarily happy. And so kind of living this double life of trying to be somebody else that makes somebody else happy. But in the, in the, my real stasis, when I was really alone with my thoughts, I wasn't happy at all. I didn't like a lot of the things that were going on around me. And maybe some of them were preventable. Maybe some of them could have been changed or bettered if I had spoken up and been more and vocal and active and, you know, speaking my truth or whatever. But for whatever reason, uh, in that, that time in my life, I didn't. I didn't really speak up. I didn't really say what, what I was thinking and feeling. And I didn't say to somebody, hey, I'm feeling really weird and I really need to get a handle on this thing. And so I lived, you know, most of my life with these bouts of um, sometimes periodic and sometimes long-standing uh, bouts of depression, wherein I just on the outside was fine. I was functioning. I was normal. I was healthy. I was happy. I was upbeat. But on the inside, it was a very different story. And so I kind of lived with this duality of wanting to be happy. I really wanted to be somebody that was cheerful and and happy and well-adjusted. And I felt like I could be, except for, right, except for this one thing. And I really wanted to divorce myself from this thing. I really wanted to divorce myself from being depressed because it was a hindrance, I could tell that this is like not a good time, and I was not enjoying being depressed at times. It was not something I really relished. I did not like the idea of not existing being an option for me all the time. But, you know, it just seemed to be a fact. It just seemed like something that I had that was a part of me. It wasn't going anywhere, and I just had to kind of, I don't know, like live with it. It would always be like wearing a coat in summer. Like, not wearing the coat just didn't seem like an option for me. No matter how hot it got, I just couldn't take this thing off as much as I wanted to. And that's the best way I could describe it. Um, I know people that are close to me that don't have this kind of problem, that don't have, that don't go through bouts of depression, that don't understand what it's like or have not had suicidal um, thoughts and don't know what that's like. And that's okay. Uh, I would not wish this upon anybody. And I'm certainly not feeling sorry for myself. I'm just, I'm saying that this is just something that is a part of, of me. It will always be a part of me. I will never not have this part of me any more than I could 
you know, depart my personality from myself. It just seems to be a part of, of who I am. And I think a lot of that that I've had to do is just accepting that fact that this is something that will stick around probably for the rest of my life and that it can be a lot better. I'm a lot better than I used to be. I'm a lot better at managing it than I used to be, but it will never go away completely. It will never be something that will just, you know, not be a part of me anymore. I just don't think that's going to be the case. But having said that, um, I have found that when I was going through my early adult years, I told friends of mine that were I was close to, my peers, that I said, hey, you know, I'm going through these these phases where I, I have these thoughts and I really am focused on these these kind of mirandering, languid, you know, impulses that seem to make me want to do these negative outcomes. And they just said, oh, that's not a big deal. You know, everybody gets blue sometimes. Or, you know what, you know, you're fine. You seem so happy and upbeat. Don't, don't worry about it. And so, again, you know, I thought I was trying to reach out to somebody and saying, hey, I feel weird about this. And people around me were saying, don't worry about it. It's, it's normal or you're fine or just, you know, it'll pass or whatever they said. Not realizing that, in fact, it wasn't passing. It wasn't getting better. And I was trying to, to be healthy. I was trying to eat better. I was trying to get more sleep. I was trying to, you know, monitor my thoughts better. I was in recovery at this point. I was going to, you know, doing through a lot of 12-step work, which was helping. But again, it was not completely alleviating the internal state that I was facing. It just wasn't. And um, so finally... Took to probably about my late 20s, I told um, a lady that I had started seeing at that time, you know, I'm going through these things and I have these thoughts and they, they're really intrusive and, you know, I don't like this. And fortunately, she had enough sense to say, oh my gosh, you really need to talk to somebody. I don't want to sound like when I say that, that, that somebody for the first time suggested I see a professional and I was like, oh, I'm going to go run, do that. No, it was not like that at all. I really took a, a little bit of coaxing because at this point, I've been living with this for so long that I didn't know, did I really want to see a professional? Did I really want somebody else to know about this and make it official and they give me a diagnosis? And then what does that mean? If they diagnose me, does that make me like somehow officially depressed or something? Or what if they put me on medicine? I heard that can make you weird. Or what if they want to talk, you know, just talk therapy stuff? Is that going to work? And I don't know if I want to get involved in all that. So it took a little bit of doing to kind of get me over the hump, so to speak, of saying, like, look, this is for your betterment. This is something that's just going to help you. If nothing else, it can only do good. It can only do something that will generally help you. So there's really no downside to just trying. And I found that to be the case. So I went ahead and went to my doctor and explained to him that I was having these problems. And... Um, periodically and that they were intrusive and I didn't like it and he said do you need to be are you in danger and I said no and uh, I said I've lived with this a long time I'm not in danger and I, I've this is normal for me so what can you do and he said well we could put you on some medicine for starters and he put me on medicine and I took one for a while and it worked pretty well but not super well and I went back to him. I said, this is working. This is helping. It's working pretty well, but not super well. And he said, well, let's try a different one. And he put me on a different one. Sure enough, it worked better. And I've been on that one ever since, and it helps a great deal. So I take my medicine every day. My wife tells me if I don't take my medicine 
if I miss for a few days, she can tell a difference. So I know that the medicine is working for me. I know that it helps me to stay uh, in a way that makes me feel healthy and adjusted. Again, it doesn't mean that the medicine solves all my problems, that I suddenly just don't have any kind of um, symptomology at all, but it certainly helps a lot. And so in that regard, I'm grateful. I'm really grateful that I'm, I don't have the same kind of intensity or the same kind of um, adverse feelings that I used to have associated with this thing. And, and that, that's a big deal for me. So I'll take that. Um, it was also suggested to me that I go see um, a counselor. Uh, sleeping a lot uh, at one point, this is a few years ago, um, I had gone through a phase where I was sleeping like at least 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day. And again, somebody that was close to me said, I don't think that's normal. I think you need to go talk to somebody. And fortunately for me, because I didn't have health insurance at the time, there was a community um, clinic that offered free uh, help to people who needed it for mental health. And I walked in the front door and I said, I need to talk to somebody. And I, what's the nature of your problem? And I told them and they said, okay. And um, they didn't get me in that day, I don't think. But they did get me in very quickly after that. And I did start seeing somebody um, at that point, uh, a professional counselor, and talking about it. And again, it's the same thing. It wasn't like that the things that she said in those sessions just absolutely changed my life in this regard that I wasn't depressed anymore. But it certainly helped a lot. Like the, those sessions really did help me. And I could tell that I felt better upon leaving than I did when I came in. And I would go every week and we would talk. And sometimes we'd talk about, you know, stuff that was pretty hard to talk about. Sometimes we'd talk about stuff that was pretty okay to talk about. And um, it was really helpful. And I can say now that if I had any wishes that I could grant myself from this, I would wish to my past self that I had gotten help sooner. The only thing I wish is that I wish that I had had the courage, I guess, if you want to call it that, to reach out and say, I'm not really feeling okay, and I'm worried about that, and I, I need to get some help with this thing. Um, it would have probably made a big difference. I probably could have saved a lot of really, really uh, dark times in my life if only I had reached out sooner. Now, the good news is, is that I did finally reach out. I did reach out uh, with some help from people who cared about me. I was able to get some help with this thing. I feel way better than I used to, and I am grateful, like I said. And I know, I know that not everybody has this kind of reaction. The, the medicine doesn't always work well for some people. Some people really don't want to go to talk therapy. They don't want to talk through these things, and that's their right. You know, I guess I, I can't speak to that. I can only tell you that for me, I did, and it, it really did help. And I'm, and I'm much, much better today than I used to be. Um, and But also... This is a really private matter. There's nobody or very few people that know me personally that know this about me, that know that I have had problems with depression in the past. If you met me today, you probably would never have guessed that I had problems with, with serious depression in my past because I, I hit it really well. So I guess that's part of the, the message that I want to say is that, you know, if somebody's depressed, you know, and they tell you they're depressed, um, like capital D depression, as they say, then you know know that sometimes just because they're they're not wearing it on the outside doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going through something in their internal life which is very serious so 
for what it's worth, uh, I just want to give you a little bit of insight as to how I've lived with this thing, and I'll continue to live with it. I know now that um, it's something that will, like I said, will always be a part of me, that I'll always have um, in my life, and that will always be part of my temperament or my personality or my, my being or whatever. And I'm okay with that now. I think self-acceptance has gone a bit of a ways in that too and helping me to understand and appreciate that, you know, I can't change this thing about me, but I can certainly do some things that make it a lot better than it used to be. And so, um, like I said, you know, if you're dealing with this thing, you're not alone. You may feel like you're alone, but you're not. There are bunches of people to deal with this thing and we're all trying to get through this thing and uh, it can be bettered. So don't suffer silently, get the help and you know, help is, is possible. We have tremendous means of helping people in ways that we didn't in the past. We're very lucky in that. I think we're very lucky to live in a, a time when medicine and science and psychology have progressed to a point that we can help people. And this isn't like a terminal illness like it used to be. So um, that's all I have. I, I hope that this really helps. Um, I can't tell you one more thing in passing before I, I wrap this up. Is a few years ago, a doctor told me about a book um, that he recommended to me and that I have found extremely helpful. And I've actually bought a couple copies to keep around uh, to give to people who may be going through uh, capital D depression. It's called uh, Night Falls Fast. I got to find the author of it real quick because I don't know the author's name off the top of my, my head. But the book is basically a book about suicidal depression and gives a lot of really good information and insights and clinical information and personal experience. And it really put a kind of a complexity to this issue that I really felt was extremely helpful and really, really helped me understand that, I'm, that this is not something that, although it's happening to me singularly, is not something that happens to me alone. And that I'm not alone with this problem. So it's Night Falls Fast by K. Redfield Jameson, and I really recommend the book. It was a great book, but again, um, this is just my anecdotal story. Um, if you found this helpful, I hope you, you did, and uh, you can let me know. And if you do need um, more direct assistance, call 1-800-273-8255. It's worth a call. It's just a phone call. That's all it is. It's confidential. It's private, and, um, but don't, don't be out there in, in the dark. Come join us in the light. Okay, thanks for listening. Okay, I know that was kind of a downer, but um, I think it's important. It's important that we talk these things through, and particularly if you're somebody that that has a solution to something, you know, I, I don't believe in keeping that to yourself. You never know that somebody might need to hear what you have to say. So I, again... I can't stress enough, I'm not a doctor or counselor. I have no authority to tell you what you should do or make a kind of diagnosis, but I want to share my story with you, and I, th- I appreciate your listening and taking it seriously. Now, on a last note, I did want to tell you about a story I heard today, which I thought was so cool that I couldn't help keep it to myself, and it's about a local restaurant that prides itself on being open when other restaurants aren't. So if you live in the southeastern United States, where I'm from, then you are familiar with Waffle House. You probably have one somewhere in your community or you've been 
through a Waffle House, you've probably eaten at one. They look like these little tacky yellow and black diners along the highway. They're super weird. But um, they are a, a organization that I learned recently is very important to all things FEMA. So the Federal Emergency Management Authority, the uh, federal organization that um, helps to track and to take advance warning and reaction to natural disasters and storms and the like relies on Waffle House as an unofficial Waffle House index. So um, according to USA Today, and this was from September 13th, uh, after the last hurricane hit Florida, quote, the Waffle House test just doesn't tell us how quickly a business might rebound. It also tells us how a larger community is faring uh, because apparently um, when a natural disaster hits, Waffle House is one of the businesses that's, that wants to remain open to give people a place to go to eat because they realize that oftentimes during a natural disaster, it's really hard to find hot food. It's really hard to find some place that will serve you a meal or if you're a first responder or somebody who's um, you know volunteering, it can be really tough to find a place that is going to be operational and you can find some place to, to get a respite, to get a cup of coffee. And uh, so apparently, uh, part of the core of Waffle House's commitment to community is that if it's possible for them to be open during a natural disaster or preparing for or shortly after a natural disaster, they will be open. They actually have a national commitment, or I guess a regional commitment, depending how far Waffle House is spread, that um, you can count on them. They even have what they call their Waffle House response teams, which are people, I kid you not, people that work in the organization and work at the individual restaurants that commit to being there when nobody else is there. When, you know, the, the town has been leveled by a tornado, whenever the flood hits, you know, whatever the case may be, these guys will be there to open their doors and serve whatever food they have to the community, um, not for free, but still. They're, they're keeping their business open because they think it's that important to be a community asset for people when they really need one. So I have had Waffle Houses in my area growing up. I've eaten at Waffle House maybe a couple times in my life. It's, you know, it's diner food. But I have to tell you that upon hearing this story, I'm going to take them way more seriously and I am going to go out of my way to try to eat at Waffle House more often because I want to support the fact that they support the people who are the first ones to show up and the last ones to leave when it comes to natural disasters and crisis situations. And that the company has a dedicated interest in being a community resource for people because they know it's important. It's important to the community they serve. I think that is pretty daggone cool. I couldn't think of a much cooler story than that. And I really couldn't wait to share it with you because I just thought, you know, that's that's pretty cool. So if you're in the southeast and a natural disaster hits your area, I don't want that to happen. But if it ever should, look for the Waffle House. And chances are, if when nobody else is open, Waffle House will be there. All right. That's all I got for you for now. 
thank you again for listening. Um, again, if you need any kind of attention, please, 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 please take the appropriate medical action and get yourself checked out. Even if you're just not feeling like yourself, you know, it's okay to let somebody know and, you know, get a second opinion on that thing. So don't suffer silently. Get help because help is out there. All right. Well, be well. You can always reach me at goodstuffpodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at podcast underscore good, and I'll be around. So I hope that you can stay dry if you can. Thank mm-hmm. you.